Welcome to the 180 Podcast. You are listening to a teaching of the 180, a new church committed to learning to love Jesus and love like Jesus. Our prayer is that God would use this teaching to help you grow closer to Him and that you would feel moved to join us in person, where you can grow in community with the larger 180 family. Bienvenue à la balado-diffusion de l'Église 180. Vous écoutez un enseignement de l'Église 180, une nouvelle Église qui s'est engagée à apprendre à aimer Jésus et à aimer comme Jésus. Notre prière est que Dieu utilisera cet enseignement afin de vous aider à vous rapprocher de Lui et que cela vous donne envie de vous joindre à nous en personne où vous pourrez vous épanouir au sein de la communauté qu'est la grande famille de l'Église 180. It's, it's good to see you all. Hey, if you're watching online, welcome. My name is Dominic. I'm a pastor here, and uh, it's really, really great to see you all. But yeah, like this week was a weird week. I don't know if you felt it was a weird week. Like, I felt like a weird week. It didn't feel like summer because it was so cold. But we had a, a strange, more painful week because right in the middle of the week, right after our Bible study, I went home, and I, I opened up our fridge, and it felt hot. And I was like, this is not, something's not good. And, uh, and any of you know me, I'm really handy. I'm a really handy person. See what happens? See what happens? People don't respect you as a pastor? No. I'm so not handy. So all, all I, I said is as I felt that the fridge was warm, I just kind of, I did something like this on the side. I was like, it's going to be better in the morning. <laughs> and then I got up in the morning and the ice from the freezer section was all melting. And I was like, it's not going to get better at all. And then I did the next worst thing you could do. All of you, you know this. I went on YouTube. And I searched, like, when the fridge is not getting hot enough, what do you do? And honestly, like, almost all the first, I would say, five to ten videos on YouTube that I saw, right, all started with easy ways to fix your fridge. It said easy in all of them. You know what that's called? That's called clickbait. Clickbait is like, it's, it's easy, I want. And I clicked easy, and every time I started watching the video, I'm like, how did the person who make this video have the nerve to write the word easy in the subject of this video? like multimeters, contraptions, all these, they're like, I'm like, how is this easy for anyone? And you know, I was so frustrated, but I felt to myself that, you know, as the video got harder to understand it, I just turned it off. I'm like, it's too hard, forget that. I'm just buying a new fridge. And I'm burning my house down. And I'm buying a new, like, I was just so upset. And I thought of this. I thought, I wonder if we do what I'm doing with my fridge with our spiritual lives. I wonder if we are so trained to think that all of life should be easy. When we have challenges, I have five easy steps for how to fix your marriage. If you see a book that's like called that, just never buy it. There's some things in life we just have to get honest about. They're just not easy. They're not just simple things that you could just fix. And I think all of us, me included, I think I'm so used to wanting it to be easy. And the minute I feel that we're going from like, it should be easy to it feels like I just have to stay with this just a bit longer and it's a little bit more challenging, what do I do? I disconnect. I'm like, I'm done. I'm not doing this. I'm not working on this. It's too hard. And we have a generation, you know, of us are trained under this framework, right? If it's not easy, I'm not doing it. And we don't learn that some of the things we have to learn require just a little bit of more time just a focus, just to say, this is not going to be easy, okay? This is going to be just a little bit harder. And actually, we took a really big risk a few weeks ago when we started this teaching series we called Overflow. Because we started a teaching series to tell you about something difficult. 
Okay, and I remember when we were thinking about this with the staff or Pastor Michael, we were talking, we're like, let's do a series called Overflow, how God's love overflows and how God blesses us. But really, whenever you talk about the theme of God overflowing in our lives, you're always dealing with the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. And let me tell you, if there's something that Christians believe that is not easy, it's trying to make sense of how the Holy Spirit works, how we come to grow and surrender our lives to the Holy Spirit, how we learn to say we love the Holy Spirit and how He transforms us. We want more of the Holy Spirit. We want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. There are thousands of books written and being written to talk about this important idea of the Holy Spirit. And I want to warn you now that if you have ever kind of bought into the it's easy journey, the minute you get to the Holy Spirit, you're, you're going to disconnect so fast. And we live in a world where I think even when I think of technology, maybe somebody watching us online or using us uh, on a podcast, whatever, which is good stuff, we live in a world where many of the tools that are online make Christianity seem like super simplistic and easy. You know, five ways for you to experience God's blessing. Three tips for how to raise courageous kids. Dude, I could go on and on and on. And trust me, if I write some of those books, they're going to sell. But the French should say, the rest of this book is a lie because none of this is easy. And so I want to just warn you that this morning, as we learn about this, I want you to feel in your body when you feel the temptation to be like, this is getting harder, I'm getting tired, I'm like, where's my phone? You're going to feel that right away. Let me pick up my phone. Let me go to the washroom for like 17 minutes at church. I see some of you leave. I'm like, you never came back? What, did you change religion? What happened? <laughs> They're outside to start a small group or something. I don't know. But why? It's that. It's what I'm saying right now. Somebody lied to you and told you that this is going to be easy. And then you're like, oh, it's too hard. Dom said a big word. He lost me. I thought about the game. I don't know. I saw my friend. We have raised a generation to think this sometimes, especially when it comes to learning about the Holy Spirit. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit becomes an experience that you have whenever you want. It's just an experience with me and the Lord. It's none of your business. That sounds pretty easy to me. That's super easy. It's between you, do what you want. And then we read the Bible and we realize, wait a second, the Holy Spirit and what God does by His Spirit is a lot more complicated than that. So how do I stay with this and learn and grow? And I want to tell you something important, that we are living in a time that if we don't get serious about growing and understanding our faith, we will not only lose the next generation. The next generation will be like, I grew up in a church with gimmicks and silly things about God. I never understood my faith. I did one class in university and now I'm a Buddhist, whatever, right? Not only that, but we have people in church that are living in the world. You and I are living in our world and people in our world are more and more interested in spiritual things and we have no words for them. We have no categories from the Bible. We have no way of talking to them about spiritual things because the Holy Spirit became like just a simple idea about an experience you had when you were like 18 at a camp. That's not going to matter anymore. So we are committed not only to remind you that some of these things are not easy, but we are committed, especially if you're new to the church or you're new to the 180, we are committed to being a church that helps you understand your faith for the real world. After you leave here, you have to make sense of what you're learning for life. Or else, you know what? You should have stayed home. You could have slept in. So I want to just give you an example of how urgent this is today. Like how important you have to understand this. The fastest growing religion in the world today is a religion that people define and scholars define as those who call themselves spiritual but not religious. It is the fastest growing religion in North America. 
Okay? That means that more and more people who want to explore spirituality, want to explore a bit of God, a bit of other religions, a bit of karma, a bit of like inner healing, there's a whole buffet of it, right? Will say, if you ask them, what do you believe? Do you go to church? Are you religious? They'll quickly say, no, 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 I'm not religious. And no, 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 I don't go to church. And, and no, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm not into religious stuff or the Bible. But I'm what? Spiritual. I think this is great news for us. If we understand what spiritual means, and if we're people who understand how the Holy Spirit works, this can be good. But before I tell you how this can be good, I want to tell you how this is going to be bad. Okay? It's going to be bad because this idea of thinking that you can be spiritual without religious or religion, which I know for many of you, you've heard, or maybe you even use. You'd say, you know what? I think that's me. I think I'm kind of like that, right? What it often means is I want to, I want to be spiritual on my terms. I'll decide when it's going to be a spiritual time. And if I want to take a break, I'm going to take a break. That definition of spirituality is like that the spirit is just an energy force. Or just like a cloud that shows up and helps you. Or you know what's the worst part of understanding your life that way? Is that spirituality is always about looking for signs. I know so many people, like their spiritual journey is about like they saw a sign, they noticed something, and they connected that to something that happened 10 years earlier. And then they're like, you know what, that was the Lord. I'm like, no, it wasn't, it wasn't the Lord at all. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what Lord you're talking about, but we love doing this because we're interested in spiritual things, right? And I want to show you how this is so important for Quebec, where we live. If you're watching from anywhere else, we'd love to have you in person, but this is really particular to Quebec. In 2013, remember this is not going to be easy. Some of you are like, oh my goodness, Dom said 2013. The Quebec government ran an ad. Just, just put it back a sec. I'm just going to set it up because you'll be distracted and be like, where's my phone? Okay. It, is it gone? Back? No? You're still reading? Wow. Okay. Now we're distracted. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. Uh, it's fine. You take a, just put it back a sec. Yeah, I just want to set it up. In 2013, the Quebec government ran an ad campaign in the subways in Quebec. Different subways. They ran this campaign and they were trying to deal with the problem that we feel or hear about every single day. Which is, what does it mean that Quebec is a secular society? Right? Like, you maybe heard about that and you hear the word secular and you think a lot of things, whatever. So the government said, you know what, we just need to remind people that secularism just means that we want to respect everybody's beliefs in all of the same way. They're all the same. Whatever you believe is just the same as what I believe, and what they believe is the same as they believe. And so I want to show you the ad in a second about what the ad said. In the, like if you're on the metro going to work, you see this ad, you're like, I'm the government of Quebec, like they paid money for this ad? It's amazing. This is the, it's in French, but I did yeah, the English translation, you'll see it here, okay? Just go, to the, go over to the slide. It says this, the Bible, the Quran, Torah are sacred. Church, synagogue, mosque, all of this is sacred. Equality between men and women, religious neutrality, all religions are neutral. It is just as sacred, government of Quebec. You see this, and I want a lot of people will be like, this is, a, this is beautiful. This is amazing. I want to help you understand that in a secular government, the government does not tell you you can't go to church. The government doesn't have to tell you you can't worship. They just have to tell you whatever you want to do, let's call that church. Whatever you choose to do, you want to do sports on the weekend, that's spiritual. You want to go to the beach with your friends, let's call that church. After a while, the word spiritual becomes whatever we want it to mean. And we're living in a world where when that happens, People can say, I'm into spiritual things, and whatever we believe is sacred for me, it's sacred for you. Now, let me say something that's really important. 
This is true and it's important that we model a type of respect for all religions. This has never been so important for us in Quebec. Where we say we're Christians, but we interact with a coworker who's a Muslim or another, a friend that's an atheist, someone who believes other things. We need to model deep respect and understanding. Can we just agree that this is going to be very important for us? We need to respect that we disagree with people who have other beliefs. Right? And that, that's okay. And in a secular society, this is so important, especially as people who are more spiritual have questions about religion, about faith, about what do you believe as a Christian? And what kind of Christian are you? Like, are you a Catholic? Are you a Protestant? Are you Orthodox? You see how complicated this gets? Now, you can ignore that your whole life until your kids start to ask you or they start dating someone from another religious tradition. And you're like, well, I don't know. We didn't go to a church where we learned this. We're just into the Holy Spirit here. Like, what does that even mean? It means that we're learning to understand who the Holy Spirit is in the context of the Bible. Okay, so what I want to tell you is that one of the most important things we learn is when we say the word spiritual, we understand the word spiritual in the context of how the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit. And we're living in a world where people will say, the Holy Spirit or the things I believe or the things you believe, they're all the, it's all the same. Come on, don't worry about it. I often tell Christians who say this to me. Christians say this to me who've been in church their whole life. Haven't seen them since COVID. Don't go to a Bible study, never grow in their faith. They'll just say, you know, I just believe what you believe. I'm a Christian. I'm like, Jesus died on a cross when he could have said, it's all the same. He could have just came on earth and said, guys, there's a lot of religions here in Rome. They're really, they're all spiritual things. And all... So just pick one of them and be a good person. Jesus could have said that and he didn't. So can we not use that language if we're going to really grow up and be people who say, the Holy Spirit, Spirit matters, and it's not that easy, and it's not just a feeling that I get, like a vibe, okay? I'm learning something deeper. Now, I want to show you how in the Bible times, people had these same questions. People in the Bible are just as confused as we are sometimes, because they lived at a time where there were so many spiritual options. People could do like, like, think about that in the Bible, it was almost spiritual to go find a prostitute in a temple and have intimate, like, activity with a prostitute and they said it's just a spiritual thing i'm just appeasing the gods like imagine how living in that world imagine raising kids in that world where you're like uh it's not the same as like when we say we're christians and we're spiritual like it doesn't mean the same thing and one day jesus is talking about this and he's trying to teach his followers listen you've heard the word spiritual in so many ways but let me tell you something important and the passage i want to read from you is in the gospel of john and when jesus says this he's at a festival Okay? He's at a festival, meaning it's really loud, and it smells of hamburgers like it does right now. Okay? Probably not. No bacon. No bacon, though. Okay. And, and he's like, it's like this. It's like this. People are yelling. They're just, people are probably louder. Because the Bible tells us something interesting, that Jesus raises his voice to speak. We rarely see this in the Bible, where Jesus has to raise his voice. Can you, before I read it, can you take a minute and like, what would it sound like for Jesus to raise his voice in your head? You picture Jesus raising his voice? Just almost yelling? His disciples are like, we call you the Prince of Peace. That was intense. I don't, I don't know what we're going to do with that. That's the, this is what it says, okay? At one point, Jesus is going to say this. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood up and said in a loud voice, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believe in him were later to receive, 
Up to that time, the Spirit had not yet been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Okay? This is so important. Jesus knows that people know the word spirit. They're around spiritual things. They're around different religions. They're around different options. And he says, no, no, no. Listen, I want to tell you that I'm about to do something that's going to make the word spiritual mean something you've never understood before. It's going to mean something with more precision. It's going to be more than just a feeling or a curiosity. It's going to mean more than just you exploring some questions about eternity or what happens when you die. It's going to be so much more than that. Now, if you're taking notes, I want you to write something down. I want you to write down somewhere, because this might confuse you, that the Spirit of God had moved before this moment. So when it says in the passage that Jesus meant the Spirit uh, whom those who believed in him would later, were later to receive, he's not saying that the Spirit of God hadn't moved before this time, okay? Because everybody knows from the Old Testament up to the time of Jesus that God's Spirit was at work, that people know that. What Jesus is trying to say that the Spirit's going to be at work in a very unique and new way after the resurrection and after he goes to be with the Father, okay? So that's an important distinction, or you might be confused. You'd be like, wait a second, I think the Spirit of God was working before Jesus, right? And if you don't kind of remember this or you're not aware of this, let me just show you just three passages in the Bible where the Spirit of God is used as the Spirit of God that works, okay? That's different than what God's going to do after this moment, okay? After the resurrection. You'll just see it on the slide. I want it to be easy for you. So you can go to the next slide. It's pretty simple, okay? Ways the Bible uses the word Spirit. So many different ways, okay? One is living breath, is one of the, the most common ones. Pastor Michael did a great job a few weeks ago at explaining this, so I don't take a, lot of, a long time. This is in Genesis when it says that God creates humans and then he breathes spirit into them. So it's the word spirit means to give something what? Life. Okay? It's great. It, nobody thinks, oh, that means like that we're the Holy Spirit now. No, they know it's the breath. It's an activity of the spirit of God. Okay, the other one is a special anointing and calling. This is very common. There's so many examples of this in the Bible. In Numbers, there's an example where God anoints by his spirit workers. You have examples with David. He becomes king. He's anointed with oil. It's the spirit's activity for anointing. Okay? And the last one is a beautiful one that's, again, used in John's gospel, where the spirit is mysterious and is equated to a wind of God that moves wherever he chooses, meaning that God is at work in mysterious ways where we won't always know exactly what it means. Okay, these are just some of the ways that the word spirit is used in the Bible. Does that make sense so far? You're like, didn't know it was going to be this hard. Okay, spirit used in a lot of ways. Now Jesus says, you know that. But now the spirit is going to come in a way that is more beautiful, more powerful, more mind-blowing than even how you've seen it. And when he comes, he's going to do something to you that's going to change you forever. How many of you were here last week? How many of you came back two weeks in a row? You're like, good job. It was, a big, it was a big task. Come church two Sundays in a row. You're here, okay? Last week, I introduced you to the moment that Jesus was talking about when he said, I will go back to be with God the Father, and one will come, which is the Holy Spirit, to fill you, if you see, remember the passage, to fill you to overflowing from within. Something's going to happen in you that's going to change you forever, right? It's completely new. It's not exactly like you've seen it. It's something brand new that's about to happen. You can go to the slide. And this is, this is the, the whole section that we looked at last Sunday. And it's the, the day of, Pen it's called the day of Pentecost, okay? Now, this is so important for some of you, especially if you've been Christians for a long time. 
If you kind of would say, I know about Christianity for a few years, I understand Christianity, I've been around it enough. This is so important because what God is about to do is he's about to tell them that the old experiences you had with the Spirit are not enough to get you through what God is about to do next. Okay? This is so important because I meet people who because they, their grandmother was a Christian at some point or their grandfather did something, they live on the, almost the, the adrenaline or the stories of the past and they think that's going to help them in the future. Let me just tell you right now, that is not going to help you at all. Okay, it's great that we have memories of the past. It's great that we have stories of the past. It's great that we're encouraged at what people did in the past. But Pentecost is God saying, you now have to understand that I'm coming to do something in you now, in your life, in your kids, in your marriage. Something has to happen where you now have to welcome the power of the Spirit. And that is going to be scary. Because if you were here last week, you remember that when the Spirit comes, He comes to transform us. He comes to do something in us that sometimes hurts and it breaks and it stretches. And so I know people that would rather just live in the great stories of the past. Oh, let me tell you, when I was in the choir at my church, nobody cares. Okay, so, no, I, I do care. Like, it, small P pastor care, not big P pastor, small P. Okay. But it's like their whole faith is something that happened 50 years ago. I've been with people who even drive by a church. Like, I've been with people, they drive by a church, they're like, I remember when we used to go to that church, and the Lord was at work, and we added an extension, and it was a move of God, and now the church is a condo. And I'm like, so what happened? Oh, I don't know, the devil, the devil got, I'm like, like, it's like, we just live in some story, and nobody says, no, things are happening where the spirit is not taking root now. And those things that God did, didn't grow trees and fruit that we are seeing now. So can we be honest that we need a more robust biblical understanding of the Holy Spirit? And not just, I had a feeling at the altar at the Holy Spirit? So Jesus is doing this, and Pentecost is that moment where God says, you're about to see this. You're about to see the move of God in a way you've never seen it before. And I'm going to make this really simple, because I know it can get really complicated. But the people on that day, in Acts chapter 2, if you, were in, if you weren't here last week, they began doing something that nobody was ready for. They began speaking, the Bible says, in other tongues. If you have your Bible with you and you go to Acts chapter 2, sometimes that word is translated languages. They, they started to feel out of their bellies almost an overflowing joy of talking about the goodness of God, the greatness of God, the hope of God, in a way that they couldn't even understand themselves, but other people were hearing it, and they were like, that is amazing. Like, we've never seen this before. Like, we know about the Holy Spirit, we know about God's Spirit, we also know that we're living spiritual beings, but this, this is something beyond us. We have no categories for us. And the Bible says this, that this is what they say. It's pretty profound. They were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are from Galilee, are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native language. Even Quebecois. No, I'm kidding. It's not there. Okay. <laughs> we hear them declaring the wonders of God. They're not talking about themselves. They're talking about the wonders of God in our own tongue or language, it'll say. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? How many of you agree that's a good question? If all of us were there, right, we'd be like, oh, anybody, I'm a bit nervous. What does this even mean? Let's live with that for a bit. That the Spirit of God, 
does something they have never seen before. So now it's not only God that's working in in mysterious ways, that the power of that spirit is now in us, overflowing out of us, so that other people in their own language understand that God loves them too. That God wants to reach them no matter how far they are. Now, if we had time, I would explain to you, the Bible actually tells us the many different languages that are kind of, that are, that, that are represented there, a lot of different languages, okay? And they represent a lot of the nations of the world. So if you, in your mind, if you can, I, I was going to say close your eyes so you can visualize this. Some of you already, your eyes are already closed, so. Okay, yeah, you got that? Okay, so. Let's pray and go home. Okay, a p- a picture a circles, a small circle, a bigger circle, and a bigger circle, okay? It's very, very simple. Picture that Pentecost is like this earthquake in the middle, and a ripple effect is going to start to happen from this moment, okay? That within a few years, the Roman Empire will be transformed because of that moment at Pentecost, okay? The Roman Empire that had no match is about to be transformed by a bunch of obedient servants who are overflowing and filled by the Spirit of God. See how different that is from the way the world talks about power, the way the world talks about strength, the way the world talks about spirituality? So different. This is the Holy Spirit that's doing something in a small way in people like us, filling them, and everybody who's watching, they have no word. They have no word. They're like, amazing, what does this mean? What could this mean for us? I can't believe, like these people, they shouldn't, they shouldn't have this kind of ability to speak this way, this beautiful moment. And as I was studying this and I was reading it, I was like, I just want to explain something to our church so they feel it. That we would be people, that we would be a church, that we would be families, that we would raise kids, that when people see us, they would say something amazing is happening there. Not something weird, not something nobody understands, not something illegal, not something kooky, not something, no, 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 something amazing is happening there. And when we get closer, that thing that is amazing is reminding us of how much God loves us. Do you want that? Do you want God to do that through you, through this church? Because every time we say no to that, we resist the ways of the Holy Spirit. We resist the things of God because all of us want a spiritual experience where the Spirit is primarily for us. That's what we want. But the Holy Spirit in the Bible fills us so that in us something happens so that others would understand that they too now can come. And people would see us live this way, surrender this way, love one another this way, and they would be like, it was amazing. So what happened? I don't know. It's like amazing. I've never seen this before. It's like mind-blowing. I have no category. It's like it started this small group of people, and it's like more people are being drawn by the power of the... They're coming together. People that should hate each other are loving each other. People that used to gossip about one another are forgiving each other. All the nations knew what it was like for the Jewish people to, to be those who were blessed by God, but now they're seeing that this blessing is for the sake of all these other nations. And now they're coming. Now, this is not the end of the story. This good news gets more complicated because some people there who see what's going on, they don't think it's that amazing. This is what the Bible says that they say. Some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. That's fair, right? I mean, maybe I would be that person. I'd be like a bunch of drunks. They've been partying. They're in a festival. I don't even know what they're doing. This can't be God. 
It can be the way God works. And so they, what they're not understanding is that there's people who sometimes will be among you, among us, and they will not have words to understand what's going on. They'll have their own ideas. I've had such beautiful experiences seeing God's Spirit at work in people's lives. Marriages that were ruined and God healed them. People who hadn't, taught, hadn't spoken for families for years and God begins to restore them. Parents and kids who just couldn't get over a, a crisis that happened 20 years later, they're healed. But then I've also been around people who claimed that the Spirit of God was working and it was the wackiest thing I've ever seen in my life. The wackiest. And in those moments, I'm like, somebody's drunk here, let me tell you. This doesn't seem like it's the way of the Holy Spirit. This doesn't seem like people saw this and they thought, oh, God loves us. They thought, this is weird, I want less of this. Okay? So you see how the word spirit means a lot of things when we use it. And if we're not careful, we can just think of a negative experience and start to just live out of that negative experience and never say, God, no, no, we want you to do something special. In that crowd, there's people who are sincere and amazed and those who are skeptic and think it's a joke. Same group of people like we have today. Still exists. People who are amazed and have more questions, so they come closer, or people who think it's a joke and they walk away. And some of the people who think it's a joke, it's on us. Because in some contexts, we've made the story of Jesus a joke. It's a gimmick, it's whatever. So I want to help you understand how important it is that the Holy Spirit in this moment is going to do something so important. I'm going to tell you now the most difficult thing of the whole sermon. So I need you to be as focused as you can. And after I say this, you can start to shut down and think of food or whatever. Okay? That in this moment, we learn that the Holy Spirit has plans. That means God the Holy Spirit has goals and plans He is going to accomplish. That's so different than when people say, I just believe in spiritual things. If somebody tells you that they're spiritual and you ask them, so what's the goal of that spirituality? They'll say, whatever. Or it's a feeling, or I feel encouraged, or I feel happy, and that's fine. But whenever you hear the word, the Holy Spirit, in the Bible, you're always dealing with a God who says, watch what I do now. I have some things I'm going to do now. I have some goals that I'm going to accomplish through you. This always drives me crazy when I study the Bible. It drives me crazy because I'm like, why would God use us to accomplish his goals when he has angels? You ever think about this? Like if you had lots of angels waiting around to do stuff for you, would you trust me with anything? No, you'd be like, Dom, we love you. I know you really want to help, but you see that big thing there, that flying creature? They're going to do it better, so just sit down and read a book, right? All of us. You have to remember this, that angels are not filled with the Holy Spirit. They're not filled with the Holy Spirit because they're not being transformed the way we're transformed when the Spirit comes upon us. It's so important that the people that God uses are themselves a testimony of the power of the Spirit first when they share about God. We become the ones who are filled with the Spirit to go do the works of God because people need to see the Spirit at work in us. And so God says, I'm going to send you. When they see how I'm working in you, they're going to trust me. Go now. So one of the things I want to tell you is that God, in this moment, begins to draw people together and He shows them His plans. How many of you have plans to accomplish this week? Some of you, if you're planning anything, your agenda, thing, like I have some plans. By the way, I want to encourage you, you're part of a church, we have some plans. 
right? We have things we prepare. If I told you we had no plans, you'd be like, well, what are we doing? Like, what are we doing here? Why do we give? Right? Why do we serve if we have no plans? So if you and I have plans, trust me, God the Holy Spirit has plans. And every time we, one, don't understand those plans or we ignore those plans, the Bible says we resist the Holy Spirit. We resist the Holy Spirit and we say, hey, we want the Spirit on our terms so we can have a spiritual experience. That would be great. And the Spirit's like, no, no, you'll have an experience, but let me tell you my plans for what this is going to look like. So the first thing I want to tell you, make it easy, two things. I'm going to tell you two things. I'm going to wrap it up and you're going to remember, right? The first thing the Holy Spirit does is the Holy Spirit takes a crowd and he turns them into a community, a community that we call the church. You'll see it on the slide. I made it really easy. First thing to remember is at this moment, the people realize that all of us, we don't speak the same language, we don't even know each other, but the Spirit is doing something where strangers are now being brought together, and the Bible tells us in the next little while, some of these people are going to be in each other's homes. They're going to start to invite people into their homes. The, the church is going to start to grow, and they're gonna, you're going to meet somebody that you never knew before. So what the Holy Spirit does, He turns a crowd of people into a community we call the church. Six years ago, I didn't know most of you. We didn't know each other. But then God started to do something in us, and he brought us together, and then I met you, and I met you, and I've been in your home, and I've prayed with your kids, and I've cried with you. We get a chance to remind people that the Holy Spirit comes not just to get us to hang out, but to get people who are used to a crowd to learn what it means to be a community, to learn what it means to care for each other, to learn what it means to want to know one another, let me tell you something pretty, might bother you, but I'm just going to tell you, you don't have to put your hand up. How many of you can name five different families that are in this building right now? How many of you can name ten different families that are in this building right now? How many of you think that the potluck is something we did just because we had nothing else to do on Sunday afternoon? No, the potluck is a reflection of what the Bible teaches us, that we are learning to help you not believe that being a crowd is enough. You can go anywhere to have a crowd. But the Holy Spirit has a goal. He's making a church. He's building a church. He's taking strangers and people who don't like each other and people who are different, and he's saying, just come now. Come now and watch what my Spirit does. We need to learn this. We need to learn this because no other place in the world does this. You can find, you can find like people hanging out all the time. I remember when I was like younger, I used to play some sports with my friends. I was on a, for a little while, I played on a hockey team. You ever meet people whose kids play hockey together for a few years? They have a great community, but they're not the church. They're a community of people that hang out and they like each other, and they like their kids, and they're there for the sake of their own goals. They're not there for the sake of the glory of God and something bigger than themselves. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. That's the work of the Spirit of God that says, hey, hey, this is not about you anymore and how selfish you are and what spiritual experience you want. It's about the goals and the plan. So one, the first thing we see is that God takes a crowd and he makes it into community. Now, I want to say something important because for some people, this is tricky because we are different. Many of us are so different. I know people that are introverts. If they talk to one person, it felt like they spoke to a thousand. You know who you are. We love you. It's okay. I'm not talking about you have to be a busybody talking to everybody, but you have to long to want to be part of the community. You have to long to want to get to know one person. Imagine if over the summer we all agreed that we're going to meet five new people we never knew before. You know what's going to happen in September? You'll be like, I know them, I know them, I went to their house, I had a coffee with them. 
It's just God saying, just watch what I do now. As I draw you together. As I teach you to love one another and grow. You know how we learned that we never have done this and taken the Holy Spirit seriously? We dealt with a pandemic. And people we thought understood what the church was were really just part of a crowd. And they're gone. I'm telling you, we have made the Holy Spirit something else. Where the Holy Spirit in the Bible has a goal. And He's doing something. And He's at work. And every time we resist that, we resist the ways of God. The second thing the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit takes this church. You can go to the next slide. It's pretty simple. He takes, takes this church community. I think it's there. Yeah. The Holy Spirit equips us as a church with a special calling. We have a special responsibility that only we can do. Only we can be this. Only we can trust the Spirit at work in us like this. No one else can do this. The Bible's filled with how the Spirit comes and fills us and equips us to be these people together. And everything in our bones says, so I don't care. I just, I just want to come and do my thing and I want to leave. Every time you feel that, just fight it with all of your strength. It's a way of the world that says spirituality, it's all the same, whatever you want. It's not the ways of Jesus. It's not the ways of Jesus that a community is loving and growing together to point other people to how great God is. It's not that way. I'm realizing more and more that the devil doesn't have to make us do bad things. He just has to make us uninterested in each other. And the rest takes care of itself. You know how hard it is to gossip about somebody that you know really well? You know how hard it is to not forgive somebody that you've met and you've learned about them and you know their story? You hear them and they've had a rough week? See how beautiful God's gift to us is? That when we are the church, all the things that the devil uses against one another, they start to not work. They don't stick on us anymore. Because when I'm thinking about judging someone, it's hard because I prayed with them because I know they're going through a difficult time at work. That didn't work in the same way. Because God is making us this special community with this calling to model a new way forward. Next week, I'm going to show you something that happens next, that Peter, who's there, is going to explain something to everybody who still has a lot of questions. But I want to wrap up this morning by having you stand, and I'm going to read a passage that has to do with Paul telling Christians how important it is to do this. You can stand now. Thanks, Dave. I, I prayed this week as I was wrapping up my sermon and I didn't really want to share what I'm going to share next and I thought it's more private, it's no one's business, but I really want to share this because I think it will help you. I want to tell you about a time in my life where I remember being probably the most selfish in my whole life. And very few people know about this, but it was so bad that a mentor of mine confronted me and said, Dom, you are grieving and resisting the Holy Spirit. It's very happened in my life. Where I'm like, whoa, unfriend, no. I basically was living in Ontario about seven years ago and God was doing some amazing things. The church was growing. Families were coming back. Our board was planning a two million extension of our church building for our kids' wing. And quietly when I was just praying, I had this sense that God said, Dom, this is beautiful. I'm proud of you. It's time to say goodbye and go back home. And I'm like, uh uh not me. And after a while, I thought, you know what? 
God can send someone else. God has angels. God has all kinds of other options. I'm not going. And I remember every time I thought back to those moments, I prayed. And I'm like, well, my kids are doing great. My family's here. I've worked so hard. All these things. God's like, no, no, no. Set this aside now and go. Trust me. I'm going to fill you. I'm going to equip you to do something different. Just gonna have to go. And I'm like, well, what does that mean? And how much do I have to sacrifice? And how much is it gonna cost? And I'm like, all these things went through my mind. And one day I met with a mentor and I sat with him and I told him, I'm like, you know, I'm having these weird times as I pray, as I read. I'm feeling this thing that maybe my time at this church is done. And I'm like, it can't be. Because I just wanna live in the blessings of all the good things that are happening here. And he said something so profound to me. He says, the people who can't make sense of God's blessings start to use those blessings as a hurdle for the next thing God is calling them to. And I was like, what are you talking about? He goes, if you don't listen to God's call now, you are resisting the Holy Spirit's call on your life. And do not use His blessings as an excuse to not go and be obedient now. And I remember that moment so clear. I remember that the Holy Spirit had become kind of a feeling of good things and blessings in my life. And when it was time to follow the purposes of the Spirit, the goals of the Spirit, I wanted nothing to do with that. I just wanted like the blessings of the Spirit. If we are not careful, we will be those who have tasted of the blessings of God. And we have stopped caring for those who have never heard of His wonders. And when that happens, we grieve the Holy Spirit consistently. We resist the Holy Spirit. We grieve the Holy Spirit. And it can happen to anyone. And it even happens in the most unlikely places. Just a blessing. More blessing. Comfortable. Secure. Things are great. And God's like, that's what you think I'm doing? You think I'm here to just make your life comfortable? That's what you think this is? My son died on a cross when he could have told you, just I hope you have a good life at the beach. May we remember on this day that we decided to not resist or grieve the work of the Holy Spirit. It's not a feeling. It's not a vibe. It's a Holy Spirit with goals and plans and activity. And they all look like what's happening in Acts. And we get to say, fill us because we want to be part of that. Before I pray, I leave you with the words of Paul. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ God forgave you. Before I pray, take a look at this list. Whichever thing you have to deal with, whichever person in this room you have to make things right with, even if you're married to them, say, God, fill me to be this kind of person. Fill me so I would not grieve your ways, grieve your power, grieve your plans, but fill me so people would see that I'm someone who's not going to resist what you want to do now.
Holy Spirit. Forgive us for thinking that we can resist you, for thinking that we can just have you on our terms when we can experience your blessings without your plans, your power without your purposes. May we never forget that that is a lie of the enemy. We come to you today and we ask you to remind us that we are not a crowd of people. We are being filled and transformed to be the church. That those who are far off, those who are alone, those who feel they don't belong would see that there is a seat for them here. Equip us in a supernatural way to be those who model a different way of life. Help us to be those who understand that we are living in times that will make discussions about spirituality very different and difficult. You have what we need. Jesus promised us that he would be with us until the very end of the age. And we believe him. Help us to surrender in a new way today to your power, to your transformation. May we not grieve you. And may the next generation get a glimpse of what it looks like when we are fully surrendered to you so that they would be amazed at the things you are going to do. We pray this in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Hey, thanks everyone. Before we let you go here, uh, thanks for listening and for uh, remembering that the Spirit's at work in a beautiful way. Say hi to someone you don't know, that you're not a crowd. If you signed up for the potluck, we're going to need your help. Some of you are not able to stay. We understand that. We miss you. We're going to have future potlucks and stuff. We get that. We need you to just grab your kids and just some of the kids, just remember, if they are staying, they might be running around more than usual. So if you drive off, just be careful, just extra careful together. And then we might just see, need some help in a few minutes as some of you trickle away to just move some chairs, okay? And let me just tell you, many of the people who, are made, who made the potluck possible, right, who are helping and serving, uh, you know, have been doing a lot of things, just say thank you to them when you see them, right? Even if you don't like the hamburgers, but they'll be good, they'll be good, okay? We love you all and we'll see you soon. God bless everyone.